Welcome to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. For a free trial and 10% off, just go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TWIP. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by lynda.com. Learn what you want, when you want, with access to thousands of online video courses, including a wide range of photography topics and skills. For seven days of free, unlimited, in-depth courses, visit lynda.com slash twip. That's lynda, L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash twip. This week on TWIP, when a monkey takes a photo, who owns it? Also, Adam Carolla won't let a podcast patent troll drop their lawsuit against him. And finally, a New Zealand newspaper uses a Facebook photo without permission, and it's the wrong photo. It's Monday, August 11th, 2014, and this is TWIP. Welcome back to another episode of TWIP. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Joining me today to discuss some of the cool things and and monkey business in the world of photography this week are Mr. Dan Ablin and Mr. Sill Arena. Hey, guys. How you doing? Hey, Frederick. Frederick, hello. All right. We got, we got lots to talk about. Uh, I want to jump right into the show, but I want to touch base with you guys first because, first of all, Sill... What do you, what's going on in your world over there? Anything crazy happening in the world of education and corrupting? I mean, uh, <laughs> influencing yeah, well, children's um, minds. <laughs> it's been it's been a great summer. Uh, did two workshops this summer, and um, then more importantly, just got off a twelve day road trip with one of my sons. Um, we toured Four Corners Land, nice. and that that was amazing. But I taught at uh, Rocky Mountain School of Photography for the first time. And did my usual workshop in Santa Fe, which was fantastic. Wow. And in two weeks, I haul off to Maine for the last workshop of the summer. So You're just a working fool over there, ain't you? I like it. Cool. Traveling man. Any any books in the works? Or you Did you hang that hat oh, up? Oh, Lord. No, 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 no. I'm glad you um, – Peach Pit's glad you asked that question. Um, I'm I'm uh, well underway in the second edition of Speedlighter's Handbook. Yay! So, yeah, sometime this fall. Um, and it was originally pitched me. It's like they said, just go in, you know, and add the new chapters for Canon's new radio speed light. And maybe just polish up things. I got to tell you, I am look I look at what I wrote four years ago. I was like, I, I really said that? Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's like a total rewrite. It's wow. a, to, you know, in Silarina style, of course, Ted Wade, I hope you're not listening. Um, I'm behind Ted. schedule. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, Ted, Ted's rolling his eyes right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, anyway, but it's going to be, uh, it's going to actually, I, I hate to say this, it's going to be better than the first book, which I worked really, really hard on. But this new edition, uh, you know, I, I mean, if there's anything about teaching, you got to figure out how to make things understandable and also simplify workflows, right? Yeah. So I'm ripping all kinds of stuff out. People go, what happened to this and that? I was like, I, you don't need to do it that way. It's way too complicated. Well, good, because there's, so, there's a, if you scroll down in the notes there, there's a listener question in there that has to do with sync speed and flash. So <laughs> I read that. I, yeah, I'm glad speed. we got the speedlighter magician on the show to answer that. If you don't know the answer, Ooh. you better get on Google now in another window. Yeah, I, looked, I looked up the answer. <laughs> 
<laughs> awesome. Cool. Well, welcome, man. It's good to have you Thank back you. on. Thank you. And Mr. Dan Ablin over there yes, coming sir. from the Chicagoland area. According to, your, according to your Facebook, uh, there's some, uh, some movement happening over there yeah, in, uh, in your yeah, business. What's yeah. happening? Yeah, just uh, just doing what many other photographers are doing. I guess we could say it here that uh, we are simplifying and uh, probably going to be getting out of the brick and mortar business. Wow. Uh, yeah, after uh, six years, so from going to retail to corporate, and um, I'm what just. What took you so long? <laughs> <laughs> I was determined. I'm like, I'm not going to be like everybody else. But you know, we just uh, I'm spread a little bit thin with you know doing workshops and you know even like Mr. Ted from. <laughs> From Ted Way from uh, Peach Bit. I know he's. We had talked about a couple more book ideas. I'm like, I just, I don't have the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's a lot of that, and um, you know, we're not going to shoot out of the house or anything. And I started out in street photography, you know, 30 years ago. So I kind of get back to that. And uh, portraits will be just uh, very special things. You know, not, not really kind of a part of the regular business as model as much anymore. So that's cool. That's but, cool. Uh, yeah. So we're doing I, like that. I was saying before we started the show, like. Yeah. The, a lot of photographers, myself included, kind of the holy grail is like one day I'm going to make it and have a studio and, you know, I can invite people over and, you know, I can be the big shot walking around there. And then I, like, over time, that sort of dream has shifted away from that, right? right? I mean, it's been terrific. Um, we've had workshops and we, we host this workshop for Port DC came in from Ireland and you know I've done my own training I'm doing I'm doing training on Friday I got more people coming tomorrow Thursday tomorrow Wednesday and Friday I got people coming in but at the end of the day when people are like oh it's so beautiful and this is so great well that doesn't pay the bills yeah you know um, so when you kind of look at what you have to spend and the upkeep for versus how much you have to do and we don't want to be a churn and burn type photographer yeah. uh, photography studio so um, and we don't want to put hard restrictions and create heavy minimums and say, you know, if you don't order in 30 days, we're going to delete your photos. And those are things we never did. And uh, so you either have to go that way and really, you know, play hardball or, you know what, we're going to quit while we're ahead and just, yeah, yeah, and and just, yeah. Um, And that way things like, you know, I did uh, the Chicago workshop with Valerie Jardine uh, Mm -hmm. back here in April. Wait, 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 wait. Let me correct you on that. You pronounce it. Jardine. Jardine, excuse me. It's Jardin. Jardin. Oh, I didn't know that. Sorry, Valerie. I've been practicing for like 18 months. Come on. <laughs> and then uh, we had the Out of Chicago uh, Photography Workshop with a bunch of other great photographers that we did uh, with Chris Smith, the Out of Chicago, Out of Chicago, Out of Chicago Photography. That's conference. a new word, Chicography. I like that. <laughs> Quick, you should, go you, the website. Should, you go to hover.com and yeah. register that, Chicography. Right? Anyway, so that's what's been up here. So, And then just doing senior shoots and doing uh, doing some orthopedic animations and doing our 3D videos and same old stuff, you know. Awesome. Well, so. that's good. You guys are you guys are doing it. All right, guys, so before we jump in, I want, to, uh, I want to thank our first sponsor for this episode of This Week in Photo, and that's our good friends over at lynda.com. Ah. Hmm. You know those guys, right? I have three videos with them, yes. <laughs> Lynda.com helps you learn and keep up to date with your software. You can pick up brand new skills. You can explore new hobbies. And all of this is using their, you can do this using their easy-to-follow video tutorials. Whether you want to learn how to use Photoshop or improve your photography skills or manage your photos in Lightroom, Lynda.com offers thousands of of courses on a variety of topics. Like I said, you can learn software, I mean, and this can be in the creative genre, you can learn business skills, photography techniques, web design, 
we've got over 2,400 courses and they're adding new courses every week. Melinda.com works directly with software companies to provide timely training, often on the same day that the new software versions are released. So you pick up some new software, you head over to lynda.com and learn how to use it and get up to speed with it the same day. And they offer courses for all levels and they're adding new courses all the time. These courses are taught by industry experts. These are folks that know what they do, they're doing, plus they're folks that have been training photography and software for years and years. So they know how to get an idea out of their head into your head. And uh, their instructors are, like I said, accomplished professionals. Many of them are at the top of their fields and they're passionate about teaching and training. Now, Linda's productions and their, their courses are high quality video productions. They shoot them in studio, you know, like there's live action that's shot in studio and high quality screen capture for the, the demonstration pieces. These aren't just, you know, any video that any old person can record. These are productions. These are high quality productions. And they're convenient. You can take the courses anytime you want from your computer, tablet, or mobile device. And then each course is structured so that you can learn from start to finish or just jump in the middle somewhere to find a quick answer to some problem that's been bugging you. And the courses are broken into bite-sized pieces. So if you got 15 minutes to spare or 15 hours, you can learn at your own pace on your own terms. And one low price of 25 bucks gives you unlimited access to the entire library. So we've worked out a deal with lynda.com so that uh, you can get a special offer to access the entire library for free, this is for TWIP listeners, for seven days. So just visit lynda.com slash TWIP to try lynda.com free for seven days. Once again, that's lynda, L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash TWIP to try it out for seven days. And I'll tell you, I'm using that seven day trial right now to uh, get up to speed on Adobe Audition. So, you know, of course, I'm a member of the Adobe Creative Cloud so I have access to all of Adobe software, and we're doing some pretty interesting things on in the TWIP universe, kind of stepping things up or stepping our game up a little bit. And I found myself needing to learn how to use Adobe Audition, which is their audio editing software. Well, when I first launched it, I was like, oh, oh boy, here we go. You know, so my first step was YouTube, and I jumped around and found some tutorials on YouTube, but then I went to Linda and boom, there it is, an entire course laid out for everything I need to know about Adobe Audition and I'm getting up to speed very quickly. So once again, try them out, get access to everything they have in their library for free, over 2,400 courses, and just uh, just head over to lynda.com slash twip and everything will just work from there. And we thank Linda for their support of This Week in Photo. All right, guys, let's jump back into the show. Uh, this first story... Yeah, you know, I gotta say. Well, first of all, thank you to the. I, it had to be at least thirty or forty TWIP listeners that sent this over to me to make sure that we put it in the show. As a result of that, it is story number one in TWIP. So if you have a story that you'd like us to cover, make sure that you uh, go to TWIP and uh, submit it and tell us about it, and we'll cover it. This one, let me read this. So <laughs> it's better for me to just get it right here. In 2011, two monkeys. <laughs> I got stuff right. In 2011, two monkeys went into a bar. Now, two monkeys borrowed photographer David J. Slater's camera and reportedly snapped some pictures of themselves. One of the selfies by a female macaque 
has since gone viral and it made its way to Wikipedia's free-to-use website. Slater, the photographer, asked the website, Wikipedia, to take the photo down, but Wikipedia said no. The photo is uncopyrightable because animals can't own copyrights. Come on, Sil, what do you think about this? If, if <laughs> Let's say your cat snatches your camera away from you, right. takes some photos of itself. Whose right. photos? First of all, whose photos are they? You own the cat. Is <laughs> Are the photos yours by virtue of the fact that you own the cat? Or? Yeah, so, so I looked at... Um, I looked at some of the, you know, like the coverage online, yeah. and the legal analyst at CNN said, "Well, technically, the monkey or the ape, I don't know, you know <laughs> the primate, stole the primate, stole the camera, so it was out of the photographer's control, and that's why he doesn't own the copyright." Caesar um, is home. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I had to wonder. This happened in Indonesia anyway, and I have to say, I mean, I have no idea if I go to a different country. As an American photographer, if I push the button, am I creating an American copyright when I'm shooting in Cuba or, you know? So I don't even know. Like American, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, because we're out. I get it. You know, if you push the button in this country, you own the copyright, um, and unless you are working under a written work for hire agreement that's very specifically defined, in which case you're defined as an employee and you don't own. Um, but, you know, I mean, everybody from second wedding shooters um, to guys who are willing to let monkeys steal their camera really need to study up <laughs> on copyright law. Because um, that's really the takeaway for me is I looked at this and I thought, you know, yeah, this is a charming story. And actually, the guy, the, the monkey got a pretty damn good photo. It's worth you looking bet. up. I didn't think that was real. I thought it was you know? fake when I first uh, saw it. Yeah, the way his, I mean, his eyes look like mine, really big. It's, you know? it's perfect. It's the perfect photo. Yeah. yeah, so I don't know. It was one of those things that's like, really? You know, it's. I don't think the guy's got the copyright because he didn't push the shutter button, nor was the monkey working under a work-for-hire agreement that was expressed <laughs> in writing. <laughs> and monkey but needs it, a lawyer. I don't know, Dan. When you when you look at this, see, my knee-jerk reaction when I saw that was, okay, if it's my gear and a lower, arguably lower life form takes a photo or creates by accident a photo with my gear. By default, shouldn't that work belong to me? Because that photo would not have happened without my interaction, right? That's what, that's what I would think. You know, I didn't know about the whole pushing the button thing. So, yeah. you know, all the little kids that, you know, over the years in the studio where I had to get them to, you know, come here, you can try it just to get them to Yeah, interact. it's their work. Like, well, yeah. suddenly it's their work now. I didn't, so I got to go back and look at my archives. But, um, I, you know, it's not a human. It's not a real, it's not a person. So... It, the areas in copyright are so gray, um, and I know some copyright lawyers say, no, that's not true, but it, it, the Internet and photos, um, even things like some of my training videos have been taken, well, mm. by this a thing called a first sale doctrine, and it's an old, old copyright law before videos and Internet and everything else, but there's a loophole, and basically if you rent, or if you buy, I should say, if you buy an actual DVD from you know, let's say lynda.com. Mm -hmm. This guy that started this company, which I won't say because he, you know, he can go out and legally rent it one at a time. He cannot distribute it or show it publicly, but he can rent it. And there's no royalties paid to the copyright holder. Um, so there's, there's so many things like that across the internet now with, 
what people can grab off offline and and when it comes to selfies like this, if your monkey takes your camera, you know. <laughs> that just, it just seems weird to me because, you know, it, I mean, it seems funny. Yeah, of course, monkey, blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I love the angle of this and the fact that the shot was awesome, you know. But, well, but you, you come down to it and I just think, like, what if this had been something like, you know, something monumental, like, you know, something historic that happened with with some world leader or something and right. the, uh, you the know, say the monkey got the shot, you know, by accident. Well, but it's with your it, gear that you flew to this country. To you, you know, the I monkey got you. the shot. What happens to that image? And now it's going viral across the internet. And you make nothing from it because, you know, the. I bet you a lawyer would say since since the monkey has no, technically, identity, but lives in that state or country. That photo then would become a ward of the state, and the state then owns it, or the country then owns it. Oh, I bet you some lawyer would do something like that. Oh, meet you not want to be a photographer. So what happens if I'm if I'm running around and I drop my camera? <laughs> it fires off a photo, which means by virtue the Earth has taken yeah. that photo. It's not me. The Earth took it. Is I it think, the Earth's I, photo at that point? I think Isaac Newton owns the copyright because he's the guy <laughs> who figured out gravity. Or Canon. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, or yeah. Uh, well, here's the thing about when you drop your gear. I tell all my students this: if you flinch when you drop your gear, then you're an amateur. Pros don't flinch; they just let it hit the ground. And if you get a good uh, shot out of it, you know. I mean, let's face it: if this guy had shown the, I, I guess you don't tell anybody you dropped your camera. You don't tell anybody the monkey took the photo. Right? I mean, the guy put it out there saying, hey, 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 look at this photo that the monkey took. Yes. And then... There's the mistake. There's the thing, you know? It's like you've just put it out in the public domain that the monkey took the photo. So, you know, Dan, as far as you're concerned, no kid ever touched a camera in your studio. I, you know right? what? I was just thinking about something else, yeah. I think. You were mistaken, yeah. Dan. It was a birthday party you went to as a kid. Right. Um so I, you know, I mean, it's uh, intellectual property is such a weird, especially of late, um, you know, with Google getting this the patent for white seamless photography and all of that business. That was Amazon. Oh. Amazon. Amazon, yeah, Google, Amazon, you know, all the big companies. Right. But um, I don't know, you know, it's it's one of those. I, I mean, I honestly don't know. Um, I've never considered if I go outside the United States and I take photos. When I come back in the United States, do I own the copyright? Because let's face it, copyright is you know country by country thing. There's no international mm -hmm. copyright, mm -hmm. right? Not so yet. you know. Well, there is, but there it varies from country to country, right? But you're right. There's no. I don't think there's an international standard that has been agreed upon by everyone right. on the planet that applies, right? And it, and it always gets down to the deepest pockets, anyway. You know, it's like. Uh, who's going to win in this case? If he wanted to pursue it, the attorneys would win, right? Because mm -hmm. they're the yeah. ones who are going to get the money. And I fought uh, somebody that was taking my training videos and renting them uh, without me knowing. It cost me about $2,200 in legal fees to find out, sorry, nothing you can do. <laughs> it's it's part of it. So then, so then what happens – so say you're at a workshop. You're at one of these workshops. You're in Maine or wherever, running around the country or the world, and you got – you know, you you've set it up. You've got a group of people. So you got you know six, twelve people lined up with the tripods, and they're doing the shot of this you know some feature. Say it's a you know landscape or something, and you're doing the instructor pollinating thing where you go to each student and you talk to them and tell them what they're doing right, what they're wrong, and all this stuff. And one of the students, you actually press the shutter button after they've composed the image. 
they've composed it. It's all perfect. It looks beautiful. You press the shutter button. That photo then goes on to become widely recognized as amazing. Who it's, owns that photo at that point? The, I mean, well, you, as, you as a normal, you know, a good upstanding photographer would say, hey, it's the students, of course. Right, right. But legally, and, is it yours? Yeah. So I think legally in the U.S., yeah, if I push the button, it's mine because copyright is made the moment the work is created. So by pushing the button, um, I, you know, I create the copyright in that image. Mm. Um, but by the way, Frederick, my, my students never use tripods, so oh. that would never happen. Okay, got it. <laughs> so, I would just take their camera and say, here. <laughs> um, yeah. so, you know, it's an, inter it's an interesting area of, of the law and one that's really challenging, but as I understand it, and again, I'm not a copyright attorney, nor have I ever played one on television. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Uh, none of us, none of us. So don't be taking our word my, as legal. It's my understanding that whoever pushes the shutter button, in the absence of that written work for hire agreement, whoever pushes the shutter button owns that copyright. So does it say? So, and I haven't read this. Uh, I, I'm definitely gonna dive into it after this, but. Is the word whoever presses the shutter button, or is it at the moment the piece of art was created? And then, yeah. Dan, the re where I'm going with this is when you create an image in a digital camera, if you're shooting in RAW, not RAW right. plus JPEG, because a JPEG is the de developed version of that image. Right. RAW is just RAW data. It is not an image at that point. So if you take someone's raw data and you process it and interpret that raw data, does the image then become yours legally? Right, and that's the thing. Like, what if you put a sky in? What if you just took that mountain? Well, range? that's manipulation at that point. But I'm but, saying, but if the final image that you're putting out is, let's say, let's say you're working with a student, you push the button on their camera. Yeah. But then they take the image, put the sky in, and only take, let's say, the bottom half mountain range from when you push the shutter. But it's their sky that they photograph from something else. Mm-hmm. Well, then it's half and half. You both own the copyright, you know, because that would be the final work. No, I think it's yours. I think it's once you start moving pixels around. We've talked about this before. Once you start, then it becomes a new work at yeah. that point because you're remixing. It's like almost sampling and all that stuff. So you're remixing when you put other. You can assemble other artists' work into one, and it becomes yours at that point. All right, there's so. a line, but yeah, it, essentially it becomes yours. What I'm saying is, if it's raw data, zeros and ones on that CF card, and you develop it versus someone else developing it because it wasn't an image before I think you're, you I think you're stretching. I think I am stretching. <laughs> I am stretching. But I'm saying I, I lawyers think... have been known to stretch. Come on. No, no. <laughs> Never. What are you talking about? I'm just saying. That's what they do, you know. All I'd say is just uh, hold on to your camera and uh, push your own buttons. Yes, yeah. Crazy, crazy stuff. Well, I think I think we solved it in this What? If this photographer, uh, Mr. Slater, David J. Slater, had a time machine, he would go back and stop bragging about the fact that a monkey took the shots. Yeah. <laughs> Tell your close friends and family, but to everyone else, hey, this is my work. Well, I did this. And yeah. real quick on an offshoot, so what about if you push the button on a GoPro and then a lion takes it or some of those videos we've seen? Mm. Yeah, and or a hawk is flying around doing aerials with it. Know. Yeah. How does that work? Whose copyright is that? That they got that aerial footage, or well, according to according to uh, barista Mr. Silarino uh, over there, <laughs> then it's yours because you pressed the button, right? Oh well, yeah. Whoever pressed that button, wow. All right, guys, speaking of other copyright issues, this is another copyright show. Seems like this twip goes in these ebbs and flows of 
you know, we talk about technique and then gear, and then it goes down this rat hole of copyright all at once for some reason. So this one, let me read this for you. It says, uh, a newspaper in New Zealand is in hot water after they pulled a photograph from Facebook and used it on the front page to accompany a story about a New Zealand-born Israeli soldier who died in Gaza. Now, the, the quote, the publication set out to tell the tragic story of New Zealand-born Israeli soldier Guy Boyland, who was killed in Gaza, but on the very front page, the, where the paper presumably meant to publish the image of Boyland, they instead used an image, a Getty image, of deceased jackass star Ryan Dunn. It gets better. The mix-up, it seemed, happened when the newspaper decided to grab an image from Boylan's Facebook page instead of reaching out to the family or other official sources. Now, to the newspaper's credit, Boylan bears a slight resemblance to Dunn, the jackass star, the deceased jackass star. Um, so, basically, the the uh, the person whose Facebook page this photo was on looked like Dunn a little bit. So and had used Dunn's picture as a profile picture, probably as a gag, at some point in the past. The newspaper went there and said, "Oh, here's a good shot of him," which it would be since it came from Getty, and pulled it down and used it on the front page. Couple of questions come up with this, Dan. I'm gonna put it put it on your uh, in your plate first. So looking at this, first of all, journalism. When you look at journalism. Is Facebook now the tool of choice for research when it comes to journalism? And is Facebook the trusted source? Just go to a profile and yank stuff, notwithstanding copyright issues. Well, you know, I mean, yeah, that's the whole one issue is just the whole Facebook copyright if you're allowed to do that. But mm -hmm. And I'm not claiming to be some journalist. However, my I went to school for photojournalism and broadcast mm -hmm. journalism, and in part of that – the prerequisites were mass media law and ethics. And mm -hmm. so I always have a little pet peeve now, just even watching the news about the news anchors and throwing in the opinions after, yeah. you know, they, they do a news story. So the whole world of this has changed. And now you've got 12 year olds on social media that think they're journalists yeah. uh, and doing basically crap like this without learning facts and checking the facts and double checking because even, even things like the today show, you know, we have that on in the morning at the studio and it's like, all they're doing is repeating what was on social media yesterday. And right. is that really news? And I mean, it is, but it's it's just how much reporting is there and how much investigation. So you have things like this where somebody didn't do their homework and somebody should be fired because that's that's pretty bad. Um, and Facebook is not it's just not it's not the AP wire, you know. <laughs> it's just it's just amazing where where things are going. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't look like it's going to reverse, right? Cuz people still people seek the path of least resistance for anything, there, right? There's many yeah. many good things, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. But there's many bad things too. Yeah. Double-edged double -edged sword. So, what yeah. do you think? Well, number one, I think that the I think it's a tragedy at so many levels. Um, even the conflict itself, in which this young man gave his life. Yeah. Um, you know, it's. I mean, we're being kind of flippant uh, about the idea that this happened, but let's keep in mind the the you know the cause. But I'll say this. Um, I looked up his photo, and I can totally. And I, I compare the photos side by side. I can see why somebody who was on deadline, who was perhaps upset because a countryman had lost his life in this, you know, conflict that's halfway around the world, um, the two guys look pretty similar. And um, you know, yeah, he's uh, on the one. Uh, the, the guy from Jackass has got longer hair and a thicker beard, but um, 
You know, the real guy had short crop. He had he was cropped like a, an Israeli soldier. You know, it's like shorter hair and a well-trimmed beard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. You know, it's 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 totally unfortunate. Um, and I bet these things happen far more than we actually understand and yeah. realize. Well, I you know, I agree. Um, and it's it's uh, it's just it's just sad all the way around. From like I said, from the conflict. This is I don't follow a lot of news, but this summer this has been a, a news event that no matter where I'm in the country, I'm like checking out and praying for peace because it just breaks my heart that this it is keeps happening. going and going. Yeah. yeah, and you're right. Yeah, this the whole gist of this particular story on TWIP is not about you know anything political, the war no. in Gaza, etc. Um, and absolutely no disrespect to Guy Boylan and, or his family or any of that stuff or Ryan Dunn. But the, the whole idea, I think the gist of this is a the idea that a respected newspaper, I'm assuming that this New Zealand newspaper is respected, a respected newspaper would A, go to Facebook, even right. if they're on, and you said something about them being on deadline. Yeah, that's no excuse. So yeah, go to Facebook and pull an image from Facebook, A, knowing that it was not they didn't have the copyright to use it, period. That's the first piece. And then the second piece is Facebook in general as a, looking at it as a credible news source, you know? And could it maybe one day it'll evolve into that and Facebook will yeah. do the citizen journalism thing and, you know, kind of like what was it, CNN does that with the iReporter and all that stuff? Maybe mm-hmm. they can do that, but it's not there and it's not there yet. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So how do we fix this? How do we fix this, guys? Uh-huh. What's what's well, the solution? What are, what checks can can we as citizens and netizens or whatever put in place so that journalistic entities that are respected that we presumably should trust, like this New Zealand newspaper, how do we safeguard against them doing the wrong thing like this? And, or should we just not trust them anymore? Was you know, Pandora's box is open well, and you know their trust is gone now. You know, I, I think they're teaching so much about social media and trends and, um, you know, statistics and analytics and what's, tra- you know, but in those, in, in when people are getting into social media, and that's, I mean, it's a huge, huge business. I mean, I know some of the marketing firms uh, and people that work there and, you know, are $110 million businesses, some, you know, and that's just one part of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some large companies I know. That's just the digital division that they're handling for other companies. But how much of that do they educate them on journalism and, uh, you know, what's right and ethics and basically the things I went to college for because, you know, I was going into broadcast journalism. So my first, I interned at Channel 2 News in Chicago. My first job was shooting news at a CBS affiliate, um, you know, and that goes to all lengths, whether it's of course now you know internet and copyright but just what's appropriate to film and at the time videotape um, and use uh, and wording and how it's said and it's just yeah yeah I don't I don't think there's enough education about um, you know just classic journalism I, I truly think it's dying because people figure oh well it's on the internet it's got to be true right yeah and yeah that's that's interesting because the other piece of that is I know a lot of YouTubers and other online celebrities with millions and millions of viewers you know I would I would argue exponentially more than this newspaper has and they yeah. are this newspaper at least is held to some semblance of journalistic integrity right so you expect them to do the right thing but us folks online I would consider myself a youtuber you know or podcast or whatever there are no bylaws or anything for any of us to follow there's not even a there's a publication no nothing like this with a publication like this yes the person who put it together is responsible but ultimately it's the news editor that didn't check it right yeah you know 
Yeah, but then 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 the question becomes like who will there ever be any checks and balances? It's for TWIP, right? So we have a gigantic audience for this week in photo, and we could move mountains if we want to, and if we issue disinformation, we could hurt companies. Yeah, but Valerie will let us know. Valerie will let us know if we did it wrong. <laughs> yeah, Valerie. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, wait, is there going to be a point in time where there's some, over, I don't want oversight or any kind of regulation on the Internet or anything like that, but, but you know, that's that catch-22. You're you kind of look like a journalist, you act like a journalist, you sound like a journalist, but you're not a journalist. You're not held to the same integrity traditionally as quote-unquote real journalists well, in old world media were held to. It's the same thing as, no offense to the wedding photographers out there, but saying you're, you're photojournalists. You're not. You're a wedding journalist. You know, it's not, it's, that's not photojournalism in, in my respect that, that I went to school for. It's wedding photography. You know, with a lifestyle type of photography style, but it's not photojournalism. So I think those terms are just very loose today, however they're used. We'll define that. Where's the line between that, between wedding, like if you, like you just shoot, you're well, shooting a wedding and photojournalism. I know where the line is because where I, I would put the line is regular photojournalism, especially wartime photojournalism, you don't know what's coming at you and you got to be prepared to capture whatever and right. do and shoot it excellently and under duress and all that. Weddings are a little bit different, right? You're, you're not right, but at that. the same time, you are telling a story with photos, so I get it. I, you know, I understand where they're using it. Just mm -hmm. I'm from the, more the news side of it, uh, and just you capture what happens and tell a story that way versus, you know, a, a wedding, you are telling a story with those photos. So um, I, just, I just feel that the term has been expanded and, you know, but I yeah. don't know. What, what does Syl think? He yeah. teaches. Yeah. Sil, you're being yeah. quiet over there. Why? You... I, I, you know, this is this again. It's like a story that's just made me quiet. Um, but I'll say everything you said. I mean, my long, my long-standing joke about wedding shooters is, you uh -oh, know, they're combat. For, no, no, it's just they're combat photographers in tuxedos. Yeah. Okay. Right. You know everything. Well, you just no, 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 no. Because I, mean, I was a combat photographer. No, you are not going to lose a limb taking pictures of grandma. I'm just you saying. You haven't met you my mother-in-law. Yeah. You all. <laughs> Well, okay. The normal family, you probably won't come away, you know, yeah. mortally wounded, you know. But yeah, it's a, it's a different kind of journalism. No, yeah. I mean, with all due respect to to war photographers and the guys, you know, I mean, Tim Hetherington and all, mm -hmm. who go out there and and literally lay their life on the line mm -hmm. um, in these conflict zones like Gaza. To me, that's uh, photojournalism. Yeah. Right. You know. Yeah, that's uh, I don't know. It's a weird world. Like I I get news off my iPhone from this little BBC app, and yeah, recently yeah. they maybe I just missed it for the year that I've been using it. But recently I saw this thing that says submit story, mm -hmm. and I thought you know that's I mean I, I guess I don't know. Yeah, people with iPhones or whatever are on the front line of news events, but I would certainly hope that they would vet. You know, if Silarina reports, you know, Elvis and uh, a UFO land in Roswell. Um, I hope they would vet that story. At least call up Don and, and or Dan and get his you know opinion. Yeah, um, but that Frederick no. goes back to when Chicago Sun Times we had that on one of the TWIP episodes, and then right. they everybody off because of what's still saying. They're just here. You let the people submit the stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, still you you I mean you paint a picture of you know Elvis and the UFO and all that, which is completely no. not plausible. But what if it was something that was kind of plausible? It was happening like the you know, the Boston bombers or something, and you had photos 
of a side story from that that was plausible but not true, and you submitted that. Yeah. No one can vet so, that, but it looks like, wow, this is a perfect sort of human interest story off of this main story. Let's publish it. Right. And what if a monkey took the picture? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See that? I'm trying to get it out of the gutter, and Dan keeps bringing us back in. Chicago people. You know. That's right. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's, this is interesting. I mean, that's why when we talk about this stuff on TWIP, it's always – it's interesting because there's never any resolution to it. Not because it's it's a story that can be resolved. It's just that's the way things are structured. All right. Uh, and some more legal stuff. <laughs> so this one is going to be quick. Um this this is not really photography related, but it kind of relates to what we were talking about, and that's patent trolls. So, uh, Adam Carolla, you guys may have may know him from Love Line and stand up comedy and his amazingly popular podcast. He's been kind of he's become kind of a uh, you know poster child for podcaster rights. So, uh, a company, a patent troll called Personal Audio, has been demanding cash from broadcasters, large and small for allegedly infringing on its patent on delivering episodic online content. So, like us, right? Episodic online content. Um, this is the so-called podcasting patent. Now, the company, which is based in Texas, they make no podcasts, and they do little else but lit litigate against companies that it says are using patents without a license. So, and essentially, the, the, that's the definition of a patent troll. They don't do anything. It's just a room full of lawyers and other folks that are looking for people that are making money on their patents, and then they sue them to see if they can get some of that money. But this week, the company announced that, and this the company being Personal Audio, announced that it wanted to drop a long-standing or a long-running case against Adam Carolla because... He isn't making all that much money, they say. So he doesn't. <laughs> there's not a whole lot of blood to drain out of Adam. So they they decide they're going to drop the suit. Now Adam Carolla says he doesn't want to dismiss the case, but intends to pursue the case fully in the hopes of invalidating the patent entirely. So he wants to. So basically, the animal came after them, bearing its fangs. And instead of running away after they decided they were going to run away, he's chasing them. He wants to pull their teeth out so they can't bite anybody else. So, Sil, you know, I know you're not a lawyer, you know, or any of this stuff. But when you look at stuff like this, patent trolls in general, you know, I mean, I've seen these patent trolls affect businesses that we're intimate with. You know, online photo sharing companies in particular get hammered by these guys with these silly little patents that affect an integral part of their business and they have to spend millions defending themselves just to stay in business. What do you what do you think about this? Should Adam be going after these guys or should he just let sleeping dogs lie? No, I th I think that it's great that he's standing his ground. Um I saw a reference in the piece uh, when I click through that you know he's actually like crowdsourcing the legal funds. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but I I am grateful that he's making himself a poster child. Um, you know, let's face it, I mean, patents are really important to commerce because that's what incentivizes people to take risks and think of really amazing things. And yeah, in the last 10 years, um, you know, a new generation of, of creatives have come about and, you know, creative common licensing. I mean, that's all well and good. But, um, you know, if, if you create, uh, if, if you're, you know, uh, Matt Mullenweg, the guy who invented uh, WordPress, you know, mm -hmm. and he puts it out there, right? And he, and, and just think of how rich he could be if he capitalized on WordPress. But now he put it out there in public domain, essentially, and monetizes 
it through an alternate channel, and I totally, totally respect that. Um, you know, I, I believe firmly in patents. I don't. These patent trolls just drive me crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, and it it will be very interesting over the next twenty years or so to see how uh, patent and copyright law it evolves here in the United States. So, you know, I think kudos to Corolla for standing up and also kudos to, for him to go out to the masses and say, this is something that affects all of us. Because when you look at the details, I didn't know who these guys were. Mm -hmm. So I looked it up and I think their patent was based upon sending out interviews on cassette tape uh, in the 90s. Yeah. And yet their patent that they're asserting was granted like two years ago. So it's a t for me, the USPTO, the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, just continues to do what I think is incredibly stupid things. Yeah. Um, you know, giving this guy 15 years after the fact or whatever it is, 25 years after the fact, I don't know, this patent that then gives him an opportunity to go after um, yeah, and shake up an entire industry. And I wonder, yeah. I wonder, like, just patent trolls in general. This this company, Personal Audio, and the other ones that are affecting us, we as photographers in general. I, you know, there's been companies. There's a long line of carcasses down the road of companies that have been bled dry and had to shut down because of this. You know, right. and and still, so you're right. It affects us directly because now. Whereas we would have had innovation and this particular service to do this cool things and service our customers this way, they're gone because either they spent all their money trying to defend against these, you know, the vampires, or you know, they just decided, you know, it, you know, it's not worth it. We're gonna fold and get out of here. I don't know, Dan. Dan, when you look at this, what do, what do you think? Patent trolls? Yeah, absolutely. I completely I agree with everything Sil said, and. Um... Yeah, it, it will be interesting to see where it goes, but but they are trolls. I mean, come on, you know, it's people that abuse loopholes in the law or a poor system, just like, you know, the company I mentioned that rents, you know, small people, small company DVDs because they know they can't fight them. Um, mm -hmm. This one place, you know, they don't have anything from Lynda.com because it's a big company and they can really fight them. And uh, it seemed like this bad guy. They realized, oh well, not enough money there. We'll go find somebody else that's using something. We can just, it's just, it's horrible. Yeah. Um, you know, it's um, something I think hopefully will change, and I'm glad uh, Adam Kroll is going after them. Uh, and maybe somebody that really has a good patent um, that or a good product, and they're being fought. Maybe maybe they just buy this company out and squash them <laughs> all together. You know, Absolutely. but there'll be somebody else that would pop up. So. Well, Twip listeners, go subscribe to Adam Carolla's podcast and listen to what he has to say about this stuff. It's some interesting stuff over there, plus highly entertaining stuff, obviously, from comedian Adam Carolla. All right, guys, before we continue with the listener Q&A, I want to remind listeners to check out our latest episode of All About the Gear with the fantastic host Doug Kay. Over there, uh, the latest review is on the Sony RX100 Mark III, which is the, some say it's the world's best pocket camera. So you might want to go check that out or, or point and shoot, however you want to classify it. Uh, but you can go check out all those episodes of all the cameras that we've reviewed over there at thisweekinphoto.com slash gear. All right, let's jump into the listener Q&A. This is where we answer a question that, that uh, has been posed by one of our listeners. This week's question comes from Mark Stowe via our Google Plus community page, which is climbing at over 8,500 members now. 
He says, I have a question for the gearheads in the crowd. Why does the Sony A7 have a sync speed of only one 250th of a second? I gather it must still have a, a curtain shutter, but why... Why, but I can't understand why any modern CMOS sensor needs a mechanical shutter. Any ideas? And Doug K responded, but I'm going to read Doug K's response after Sill responds. Sill <laughs> is speed lighter, handbook, yeah. version 2 author going on here. So what do you think? So, all right, so I can authoritatively talk about what sync speed is, okay. although I'm going to run right into a brick wall because I don't shoot Sony, but I can definitely lay the groundwork, and I would have called Doug to get the answer anyways on yeah. speed dial for That's this. That's what camera. I did. <laughs> All right, so, so here's the thing. Sync speed um, refers to the fact that when you put a flash in your camera, uh, and we're talking about DSLR format cameras, not you know guys like me who used to shoot view cameras um, with barrel lenses, but um, you've got in your DSLR form factor camera two curtains, and so... The whole sync speed thing is about the fact that the camera should fire the flash on or off camera, studio strobe or small light. It's got to fire that flash when both curtains are free of the sensor. Otherwise, a portion of the sensor is not going to see the flash. Right. So, you know, back in the day, sync speed was a 60th of a second when I was a pup with my little Sheikah mat. And now, routinely, it's a 250th of a second. Um, and there's ways to make it go faster, you know, with Nikon or Canon speed lights and, and so on. Now, that said, um, with cameras that have virtually electronic shutters, virtually where the sensor just turns on and off, if you plug in a non-proprietary flash to the hot shoe, basically one that the camera can't decipher, it doesn't know that it's there, mm -hmm. you'll often find that you can sync it um, you know, two thousandth of a second or whatever. So those kind, and, and that's not stated in the manual, it's just something you've got to just go out and play with um, and check out. So I specifically can't speak to the Sony line in terms of, um, you know, this, I think, and by the way, having read Doug's uh, answer, it's, you know, I think I approve of it 110%. Yeah. Um, but that said, um, there's also, you know, it's, uh, anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll shut up because I could go on about sync speed forever. No, no, I know, I hear you, you're writing a chapter in your book right now. You're going to sync speed. I'm, I'm, it's all on tape. All I have to do is think it, and it's it writes. That's how easy it there is. There you go. There you go. Let me uh, before we before we move on. Let me just read this one in here. It says, uh, uh, "Let's see. Oh yeah, here we go." So I asked Doug, and then <laughs> so first of all. You gotta go to this if you guys have a browser window open, go to thisweekinphoto.com and look at the latest post that I just put up there. Doug, I sent this question to him last night, and I think this was something that was on his mind because he wrote up a basically a small ebook worth of text on this topic. So and I asked him to summarize it a little bit for me. So here's a summarization. He says, the pixels on a CMOS sensor are erased, then read row by row, so the flash has to fire at a time when all rows have been erased, but none of them has yet been read. Because it takes time to erase and read the sensor, there is a minimum time for a flash exposure. The flash, that's the flash sync speed. As for the mechanical shutter, it's again a matter of how quickly the processor can get data off the sensor. In order to achieve a speed of one eight thousandth of a second, the Sony engineers had to include a mechanical rear curtain shutter to quickly stop the sensor from collecting more light, then read the data at a relatively leisurely pace. So 
he even my brain is ex- it's exploding just reading that little piece. He so imagine that if you're really into this stuff, read the post that we just put up on this week in photo that Doug wrote. He goes into excruciating detail on the mechanics and some of the issues and limitations of syncing, uh, you know, flash sync speed. And this is this, of course, is applies specifically to mirrorless cameras as well, which is the uh, the Sony A7 is a mirrorless and not a uh, not your traditional DSLR. So, I don't know, Dan. What do you what do you think about this? Do you have anything to add to? to not at all. Not <laughs> not at all. All I know is uh, what he said. Yeah, yes, what he pretty said. much what he said. Stay under 200 for my strobes in the studio, otherwise I'm getting a nice black line and it's gonna be out of sync. So yeah, there you go. As far as I take it, man. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, thanks a lot to Doug for uh, for taking Save so much it. time to answer that. That was amazing. Um, all right, guys. Before we continue with the picks of the week, I want to thank the last sponsor for this episode of This Week in Photo, and that's our good friends over at Squarespace.com. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, or online store. For a free trial and 10% off, just go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TWIP. And remember, the new Squarespace metric app for iPhone and iPad allows you to check site stats like page views, unique visitors, and social media follows. And with the blog app, you can make text updates, tap and drag images to change layouts, and monitor comments on the go. You can start a free trial. You don't need a credit card. You can start building your website today. Then, when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, just make sure to use the offer code TWIP, that's T-W-I-P, to get a full 10% off and to show your support for this week in photo. And we'd like to thank Squarespace for their support. Squarespace is everything you need to create an exceptional website. All right, let's go into the Picks of the Week segment. Remember, guys, you can pick something to recommend to the TWIP audience as long as it is somehow related to photography. Mr. Silarina, you go first. Hey, I'm going to give a big shout-out to my friends at Maine Media. Uh, Maine Media Workshops in the Central Coast of Maine has an amazing program. Um, and I'd say that even if I wasn't scheduled to go teach in a couple of weeks. Yeah. But um, I've had the good fortune to go up there every August for the last many, many years. And um, it's, an amazing, it's an amazing program because they have both still photography as well as motion. Um, New York, uh, the New York film industry and TV industry has sent up a tremendous amount of talent through the years. So if you're looking to do something at the end of the summer or even in the fall, fall in central Maine is amazing. Um, head to mainmedia.edu and check them out, Maine Media Workshops. Excellent. Cool. Mainmedia.edu. to do that. All right. We'll link to that in the, uh, in the notes. Frederick, we should go. We should go do a fall workshop. We should go. Hey, I'm in this workshop state of mind. I've been all over the world going to workshops. I'm, uh, yeah. It's time for me to stay inside the U.S. for a while and go to some workshops here. All right, Dan, what's your what's your pick of the week? You know, it's not uh, necessarily gear or an app or anything like that. Um, everybody knows Calumet Photo abruptly closed yes, last year, a few months ago. Uh, and Bill Skinner here in Chicago and a few others got together, and I don't know how they did it, but they reopened as Pro Center Camera. Mm. So, uh, you know, our Calumet, I don't know about the whole country how they're doing it just yet, but I do know that here in Chicago the two locations are now open again as Pro Center Camera. Uh, so it's just nice to have a shop to go into, kind of like we grew up going to, and you know, cameras are there, and salespeople are there, and I know they're doing workshops and things like that. So I uh, just wanted to give a shout out to them, ProCenterCamera.com. Excellent, very good picks. And online sales as well, I'm sure they do. Yep. 
yeah, of course, cameras, lenses, accessories, studio lighting, video, everything. Very cool. All right, well, thanks a lot for that. Another good pick. All right, my uh, my pick of the week. I have two actually. Um, I've been playing around with some some iOS applications specifically because I'm experimenting with doing photo manipulation in the iPhone and what can you do with that. So uh, I was playing with two particular apps I'm, I'm really having fun with. One of them is called Matter, M-A-T-T-E-R. You can find the iOS app store. It's uh, you got to play with this thing because essentially what it does, you, you give it a photo and it lets you put sort of 3D objects within the scene and then you can flick a switch and animate them. So they animate and reflect the area around them and it's just sort of otherworldly. You can do some really cool stuff with it. Um, check that one out. And then another one is called flood.app, F-L-O-O-D. So flood in the App Store, it allows you to do what you might imagine, put like a layer of water with different uh, you know, frequency of, of ripples in the water, different kinds of water, and then on a 3D plane, you can overlay it on your photo. So I did a photo, I had a, a shot of the Golden Gate Bridge, and I put a flood on it so that only the peaks of the bridge was sticking up. And then I took that image into matter and put some weird little 3D objects floating above this apocalyptic scene that I'd built, you know, all with my thumb, you know, in the middle of, you know, just in the middle of doing something else. And it came out pretty good. They're on my Instagram. So check it out. Um, yeah, but those two apps are really cool. It's just amazing what you can do these days. The, the days of like these little, you know, chintzy applications that let you put bulgy eyes on people and all that stuff. They're still there, but now we're getting really serious, professional-looking apps on the uh, on the iPhone that let us do some pretty serious-looking art and photo manipulation. That's cool. So, yeah, definitely check those out. All right, guys, we are at the end of another episode of This Week in Photo. Once again, thanks to our sponsors for the show, and that's our good friends over at lynda.com and squarespace.com. The show would not be possible without their support, so give them a hand, give them a click, go download some tutorials, set up your website, and, uh, you know, keep them in business and keep us in business. All right, Mr. Dan Ablin, where can people go to keep up with you? I go to danablin.com, A-B-L-A-N, and uh, about.me, about me, whatever that one is, <laughs> Dan Ablin, uh, and Twitter, also at danablin.com. Awesome. And, Dan, thanks a lot for coming on again. It's Congrats always me. a pleasure. Sorry about my lower third there. Oh, yeah, you forgot it. Look at that. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. Yeah, it doesn't show up in audio anyway, so it's okay. Okay. Um, and congratulations on the move away from the studio. Oh, yeah. It sounds like a brave new world ahead of you. Yeah, so we're going to be able to go to workshops together then. Yes. Watch some time. Yes. So. Cool. You know what? I'm coming to Chicago around the holidays. We should hang out and go Absolutely. crash. Let's live. Let's have a party in Aaron Nace's studio. He's in Chicago. <laughs> and we'll probably still have ours, you know, until we find somebody to rent it. But, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, go. for sure. Okay. Awesome. All right, Mr. Silarina, where would you like people to go to keep up with you, sign up for your workshops, and yeah. otherwise? Say so, um, so Ground Zero for me these days is my blog, Pixelated. Uh, that's P as in Paul, I-X-S-Y-L-A-T-E-D, pixelated.com. Awesome. And where can, uh, when can we expect that book? That you... Oh, don't ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> Authors um, hate that. I know they hate that. <laughs> no, because I've already received like the first, like, uh, you know, we're behind schedule email already. Yeah. Um, I'm, you know, it's going to be out this fall. Um, it's one of the amazing things about Peach Pit is, you know, you push the I'm done button and six weeks later um, that book is being shipped by Amazon. So, yeah. Yeah. Some, you know, sometime this fall it's... Uh, 
I heck, I'm a third of the way there, so I can finish the rest of the book in like four days, right? Yeah, there you go. You're not jinxing yourself or anything, so. No, no but I, I will say this: it is, um, it's, it's been a lot harder than I thought, but it's also been a real cleansing process because it's forced me to, you know, figure out like what's important. People are going to look at the second edition and they'll go, "What about all that ETTL stuff you used to do?" Because like, I shoot pretty much everything in manual mode in my lights these days, right? Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, so it's it's a true new work. So I you know I'm supposed to be done by October one. Uh, Ted, wait, cover your ears, but it's probably going to be November one. Uh-oh. So anyway, but still in time for the holidays. That's the bottom line. Yeah. Well, there you go. Well, that's good. I mean, yeah, I I definitely want to read that. I had the first edition here. No, I'm going to come up. I'm I promise you, I'm coming up sometime to photograph you. You're going to be in the book, Frederick. Dude, um, bring it. I'm yeah. I'll come down to you. You're in Paso. Yeah. Right? I'll come down yeah. there. Yeah, actually, I'm in San Luis Obispo now. So oh, you're even, in Town. Even better, even better. I'm, when are you When are you going to Brooks? When are you going to Brooks next? Oh, geez, I think next month I'm making the making a right. little trip down. We'll, fi- we'll figure it out. You're going to be in the book. All right, wonderful. So, All right, yeah. you heard it here first. Don't buy that book unless I'm in it. No. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks to both of you for coming on. And uh, listeners, if you want to keep up with us, as you probably know, you can head over to our website at thisweekinphoto.com. Or check out the new All About the Gear show at thisweekinphoto.com slash gear. And if you want to touch base with me personally, Frederick Van Johnson, you can find me at frederickvan.com. And with that, it's time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photo is a Pixelcore.tv production, produced by Suzanne Llewellyn, with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar. 